It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cark Macross Credit Union, where dreaming of warmer climates becomes a reality with a Cark Macross Credit Union holiday loan. O'Neill Street, Cark Macross, or karkmacrosscu.ie. LMFM The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get low as can be APR, zero deposit required, and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors. Dundalk, Drogheda, or Cavan. Good afternoon and you're very welcome along to Late Lunch this afternoon where we have a busy show to get through so I hope you can stay with us. Joan Larkin here again sitting in for Jerry today. The number to text us with your comments and questions is 086-1800-658. Now kicking off the show today is an issue that is just so frustrating and annoying for people who like to get out and about and enjoy the country's waterways. The Boyne Fishermen's Rescue and Recovery Service are appealing to supermarkets to secure their trolleys after more were found dumped in the River Boyne just days after this group fished out 35 of these trolleys in a clean-up last week. Jason Clark of the group joins me on the phone now. How are you, Jason? Hey, things, John. Not too bad, Jason. I hear you went out again last night in the low tide to try to clean up the banks again. How bad was it last night? Yeah, last night, um, yesterday during the day, uh, the crew the crew noticed that there was um, several more um, groups of trolleys dumped in at various locations um, on the banks again this is less than a week after lads took the guts of 35 to 50 trolleys out um, especially around the Dominic's Bridge area and kind of up along the rampart, ramparts area of Drada and um, they just seem to be the black spots for people throwing them in at night time. So you went um, out last week got between 35 and 50 and then last night how many more were there do you think about? Uh, it was probably another Another, say, 10 to 15, I'd say, last night. Good um, God. All supermarket trolleys from various supermarkets around the place. From various supermarkets throughout the town. Like, okay. um, you'd imagine the cost of replacing these is, is, is phenomenal. So you'd, you'd, you'd like to think that the supermarkets would be employing someone um, to, to gather the trolleys um, after close of business, like, which is what it seems to be happening. You, you can go around to various spots around the town and you can see... Um, Groups of trolleys just been left there after after been uh, been used, and then later on that night, they end up on the banks of the river, like so they do. But you see, fellas that work in the supermarkets wheeling in loads of trolleys, and they're a ton weight to try to wheel like that. And when they're clipped together, how on earth are these people able to drag them up the street and and dump them in the river? Yeah, but it, it, it's all it's all single trolleys. Now, last week when the lads um, did they got the 
the big you could say the, the big hall of them. Um, there was actually there was um, a section of them. There was three or four trolleys that were all still connected together that was thrown in. And are these um, these are are they are they new or are they old? Have they been in the river for years or do you reckon these are no, new? No, no, they're all fairly. They'd be all you could say fairly fresh. So they would, um, like they don't stay in the river for long. The lads are usually fast enough at um, at taking them out. Um, like it does, it creates a nice awe when you see them on the bank because it's the first thing you see when you come into the town over the bridge or down the Dublin Road. And you're, it does, and of you're course. Looking. Yeah, and the river's quite low at the moment, so you can actually see them. Yeah, you're into your spring spring low tides now at the moment, so yeah, so that's the lowest of the lowest of the tides. And you will see them, especially there along Dominic Street Bridge. There's actually you could say there's that like that's what you can see on the banks, but there is there's, there's ones underneath the water there that you can't see that as we're yeah. also trying to get out last night. And how often um, do you go out and, and try to fish these out of the river, Jason? How often do you um, do a clean up like this? It depends on um, how bad they, how, how bad they get. You could say the, the lads usually go every probably six to eight weeks, and and they take a haul of them in. But then you could go along where there's where there's none there, thrown in for a period of time. Um, it just depends. Like we like to try to keep the banks clean, especially now with the flag coming up and a few other bits and pieces around the town. Mm. People to be focusing on the river and and it, like. You don't want them in it. It also creates a hazard to um, the likes of that pager crews um, who are trained to enter enter the water and secure the casualty in the event of a call-out. Um, it can also cause damage to our boats, equipment, um, wildlife and other yeah. leisure users of the river. Yeah, of course, they are dangerous as well for people um, on the river in their canoes or whatever they'd be doing and then come across an unexpected item in, in the water, especially at, at low enough tide. What are your thoughts on it? Why they're being thrown in and who's doing it? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to just take a shopping trolley and just throw it into the river. Like, on what do you think? Who's doing it and and why? Like, it, it, I'd say it, it's it'd be you could say it'd be the the youth the youth of today. You could say would be doing it because it's 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 groups that's hanging around the areas. You could say late into the night and they see a trolley down and they're all messing around and then they just decide to throw it in. Um. I've seen it happen a few times before now where um, lads have actually thrown the trolley into the river. Um, so they have, and then you'd end up a short time later having to go down and, um, to go down and, and, and fish it out. Like, cause they'd, they'd throw it in and then they'd straight away run off. So you can't really... You can't really do anything about that. like. But Jason, you know yourself now, when we were youngsters, it was easy enough. You'd get throwing your friends into a shopping trolley and take them for a spin around the car park. But we all, I, I know we're all guilty of that. Let's just say we're all guilty of that. But it's harder now to get them. They're secure. There's, you have to put in your euro or your two euros and you, you can't get it. So, I mean, how are they getting them? I mean, how you have to put money in to get to get these trolleys, don't you? Is there money still in them then when you fish them out? Yeah, there does be, um, there does be the euros still in them. Um, or sometimes you, you can see that the the you could say the locking mechanism on them has been broken. Yeah. Um, and and that's how they're used. To, that's how they that's that's how they're taken away. You could say from off site from um, from the say the shops and the the, the local care packs near to the near to the stores. Yeah, because some of the newer trolleys now have an automatic lock on them. If you take them past a certain point in a supermarket car park, they just won't wheel anymore. So I yeah, they, they don't yeah, bother with those. They even have the they even have the the, the, the sensors on them where um, yeah. once you go by a certain a certain area, like but you wouldn't imagine 
you'd wonder how they get that far over, like what people yeah. would be doing with them. That's what I was going to ask you. How are they being thrown into the boyne without being seen? I mean, they're going through a very public area of the town. How are they yeah. getting past without being seen? Uh, or are they being seen and they just don't care? I, I'd say that they've been probably been seen, but they they just don't care. And um, I don't think it'd be done during you could say daylight hours. It'd be more into the evening, into the into the night when there's people um, hanging around, like the ramparts and 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 locations that that's key for for um, having the the trolley thrown in, especially up around Mel as well. And what do you think, Jason? What can be done about it? I mean, it seems to be getting worse now. I mean, 35 to 50 trolleys is no joke in one week and then you go out again a couple of days later and there's another 10 or 15 more of them. What do, what do you think can be done about it? Is it the supermarket's fault? I mean, who's to blame for the fact that these youngsters can just get access to these trolleys, take them and dump them in the river? What's What can be done, in your well, opinion? In my opinion, the, 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 shop, the shopkeepers, um, they should be trying to keep more of a tab on the trolleys. Like, I imagine they are... Um, it, it there enough products to replace once they do go missing like um so it's like after closing hours you could employ one person just for half an hour an hour just to take a scout round and try collect the trolleys that's left around rather than rather than been left out overnight because once they're left out overnight at key locations they're guaranteed that they'll be into the water the next morning like and as you say they're not they're not cheap to replace either yeah, no, they wouldn't be cheap, and and the the, the quantity of them that's been thrown, and you'd, you'd imagine they are replacing. And what uh, do you do with them, Jason? Once you take them out of the water, then, and if the name of the supermarket is on them, do you bring them back to them, or what do you guys do with them? Well, what we do is they're taken out of the river and they're brought back to our boathouse on the Marsh Road, um, and then they're handed over to Laird County Council. Um, the community warden does usually be on hand. Um, the moment we land back with them. Right, OK, so that's where they end up. Any plans to go out again? Are you going out after this weekend? Um, well, the lads are going to focus on... The lads are going to focus up and around um, Dominic's Bridge area and try to clear the last few r- remainder ones that are there. Um, I suppose we'll just monitor the situation mm. and and see what arises. I know there is a few events coming up in the town, like the buoyant swim and that, so we will be out prior to that. Yeah. Um, making sure that the banks are trolley-free and, and locations and that, because... Um, as again, the boy and swim, you've over 100 swimmers in the water, so that's yeah. the last thing you need. Is an old shopping trolley, yeah, yeah. causing causing injury to somebody? Yeah, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want that. Even the divers are the young, and the divers were training, that's, that's the last kind of thing you're, yeah. you'd want is, is, exactly. is any kind of yeah, exactly. um, interference between yeah. a trolley. Exactly. Jason, I have to leave it there, I'm afraid I'm out of time, but thanks a million for, for chatting to me on Late Lunch today, and the best of luck with everything. Well done. No. No problem at all. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Opening launch sales offers are now available from Blackstone Motors and we are giving away a 191 Renault Clio. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda now to enter. Every Mazda that leaves our testing facility isn't just engineered to a spec, it's engineered to a feeling. Like the award-winning all-new Mazda 3, which has been masterfully designed and crafted for maximum driver comfort. Featuring LED headlights, projected head-up display and radar cruise control as standard, this marks a new era for Mazda. Experience all-new Mazda 3 and our range of 192 offers at Reynolds Mazda Matthews Lane Drada or brianreynolds.ie. Mazda.
Drive together. Beacon Hospital's specialist consultants are now available in Drogheda. These experts in ENT, vascular, internal medicine, general and colorectal surgery are available in our satellite clinic in Drogheda Retail Park. So, with a simple referral from your GP, you can be seen by a specialist close to home. Beacon Hospital. We're closer than you think. For doors, for floors, for paint inside and out, for tiles, for sanitary, at prices to shout about, for electrical goods, for DIY and gardening, and everything under one roof. Visit Rooney's Home Value Tells. We'll provide the proof. You want it, we got it. Looking for amazing savings on the best in TV audio? Then visit Harvey Norman this weekend. Get the Sonos Beam Smart Soundbar. With its sleek design and great audio, it's perfect for watching all your favorite movies and TV shows for just €449. Or get the Bose Soundbar. Its profile fits discreetly under your TV screen, so you won't even know it's there until you hear it for just €549. So for more great deals, visit Harvey Norman, the home of the big screen, in store or online. Dundalk Town. Buy yourself more time. More time for shopping. More time for friends. More time for going out in style. More time to discover Clambrazel Street and Church Street, where there's so much on offer right on your doorstep. Dundalk Town, where great shopping happens. Sponsored by Louth County Council and Dundalk Bids. Paddy McCullough here from Chapterstone Paving and Landscape Centre, Old Bridge we manufacture the largest range of paving in the northeast and stock a great selection of natural granite, limestone, slate and sandstone. Chapterstone just can't be beaten for choice and price for topsoil, bark mulch, coloured gravels, curbing, walling and much more. Visit our display centre at Oldbridge or see chapterstonepaving.ie. Now open seven days, Sundays 2 to 5. Oldbridge by the new bridge, Drogheda. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. To celebrate the official opening of our Dundalk dealership, Blackstone Motors are giving away a 191 Renault Clio. Don't miss out. To enter, visit Blackstone Motors in Dundalk or Drogheda now. Welcome back to Late Lunch. Don't forget you can text or WhatsApp us on 086 1800 658. Now, we're all familiar with the saying, it's okay not to feel okay. But do we ever actually stop and ask someone, how are you doing? Are you okay? Well, joining me on the line to discuss this now is Michael Gibson from Retoth. And Michael, you've set up a Facebook page to share your story in the hope that it will help others. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing very well, John. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Not at all. It's a pleasure. You're welcome to Late Lunch. So maybe we'll start off with just tell me a little bit about yourself and, and your own personal struggles and what prompted you to set up this page. Okay, um, my, mine kind of my issues all stretch back to when I was younger, um, and particularly in in relation to anxiety, that's what I would have suffered with most. Um, whether it be going into school and being worried about a test that I was going to take or an exam, that's the earliest instances I, that I can I can remember. And I suppose when you have something like that when you're that young, it doesn't seem it's not alien to you as life goes on. It just becomes this is the everyday routine for me, which. As was the, the the symptoms were get up in the morning, have that upset stomach feeling, feel like I need to vomit. In a lot of cases, would vomit, and then I would I would have to. Um, I, I I I suppose the only way of dealing with it would be vomit, and then sometimes you go through the you go through the the actual process, go to school, do the exam, or whatever it would be. And as I said, that's that's how it affected me in the early days. Michael, what uh, age were you when this started? I. I mean, I say to people eleven. I know, I know. There's been a discussion at home where 
you know, my mum would say, no, it's not, it's not, no, you weren't 11, Michael, you couldn't have been, but that's as far back as I, when I remember it. That's terribly young for a child to suffer from anxiety and worry about going into school and have that sick feeling in their tummy, isn't it? It is, but I think that the thing about it, Joan, is I was actually speaking to uh, a customer the other day and the conversation came up about, you know, me and the fact that I, I use it in inverted commas came out about having mental health issues. Um, and this guy said to me, well, like, how does it affect you? And I said, well, when I was in school, I used to worry about this, that and the other. And I used to feel like I didn't want to go to school because of that worry. And mm. I wanted to avoid the situation. And he said to me, do you know what? My, my son, he's 10. He's the exact same. Yeah. And I, I yeah. and I said, you know, he said to me, "What can I do about it?" And again, I'm not a professional; I'm just somebody who has experience of the conditions. We'll say, and I said, "Look, all you can do is really just talk to your child, ask him is he okay, ask him what he's particularly worried about, and offer can you help him." I said, and sometimes that's all it needs to be is just someone to say, "Look." I see you're going through a bit of a tough time. Is there anything that I can help to do? And then you kind of just leave that. You, you, you plant the seed and, you know, you, you've shown that you're interested and you've shown that you're there for assistance. And Michael, and did then, you feel you could talk to your parents when you are growing up or how did you cope with it? Was there someone you could talk to about it or did you just we, not? Yeah, no, we had a very, very open open relationship at home. There was nothing. There was nothing that wasn't on the table to be discussed. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how, um, I suppose... What it what it re- related to? I think the the thing about the stomach, like we went and I had it, I was checked to see if I had an ulcer, right. because was that it would bad? have. Yeah, back in those days, people didn't think that it was something got to do with your head. Like if you had, if I had a sickness in my stomach, everybody was looking for the physical cause as yeah. opposed to is there something else. So that's where the great changes happened in society is that people now look at the head as being the overall ruler of everything else. Mm-hmm. And they, okay, there's a physical there, but is it something mental that's causing it? You know, is there a psychological effect rather than, or a psychological cause rather than just, oh, you feel sick, it's an ulcer. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And you say you don't like the term mental health, you prefer mental fitness. Yeah, okay, well, that's just... Tell me about that. that. That's just one of my things. Again, I get a lot of time to talk to... I spend an awful lot of people, or time talking to people. I am a good talker. And, you know, anybody who does come to me for something small ends up there for an hour because I keep them chatting. And one, <laughs> with one guy, I, we, we talked about it and he, he, he agreed with me like that. Yeah, the, the whole term mental health, it sounds almost terminal. You have to go to the hospital, yeah. you have to be checked out by the doctor. And what we, what we came up with that day was, well, when you say you're unfit, you go to the gym and you do something about it. It's something that's within your control to do right now. Whereas health might require the intervention of somebody else. So you say mental fitness, right, yeah. you're already halfway there to, to working on it yourself and seeing what you can do for yourself or with the help of your, you know, as I call them, your team around you, whether that be your family, yeah. friends, work colleagues or whatever. So you decided to go ahead and set up a Facebook page, The Lemonade Cart. Yeah, the it. Lemonade Cart, it's a brilliant name. Where did that come from? Okay, it's, it's very simple. Uh, life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Yeah, and brilliant. That was that was the that was the initial thought behind it, and then the second thing was the idea of a cart. When we went on family holidays in in Florida or in Orlando, they had these carts that just went up and down the street, and you hopped on and you hopped off. Mm. And I thought that that was another great idea. That it was a place you didn't have to be there all the time. You could just dip in and dip out, hop on and hop off. So I would say, the people who like the page, I call them passengers. Oh, you know, right, you might, okay. Yeah. You might pick up more passengers or you might lose mm. passengers, depending on how people are and where they are in their own headspace. 
It is so actually dog, a brilliant name. Yeah, it is. So that that was the that was the name behind it, yeah. and I suppose that kind of moves on to what's happened more recently. Is in I would have sat down with my friends and said, "This is something that I wanted to do." And I was quite specific of what it was. It wasn't something that was involved with a business. It wasn't something that was involved in a, a public figure. It's not something that's involved with a politician. You know, it's something that needs to sit independent of everything like that because me being the sceptical me, when I used to see these campaigns and in the past, I'd say, oh, that's somebody trying to get a few brownie points there or somebody trying to better mm, their business mm. that way. For me, it's not. This is about people. This is about the person you meet in the street or, or as I said, your team members. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. But, I had, Michael, as yeah. well, I mean, in setting up a page like Lemonade Cart, aren't you leaving yourself wide open as well to comments oh, yeah. on your own life and yeah. your experience? I mean, has there been, yeah. has there been, have you had negative responses to the Facebook page? Yeah, I have. I have. Well, You're not wide to the open, Facebook like... page, but to me, to my face. Oh, like I've had I've had two or three occasions. I've had two occasions which I recently I I spoke about, but I'm not going into the exact detail. But when I say these were people who I would have regarded as being in a position of authority, okay. for one part, one person on a phone call to say to me, "Don't ever let you know your mental health, or don't ever use the excuse of your mental health for not." Uh, following through on your commitments or paying your bills oh, was one mm, was one such lovely. comment, mm, and mm. I just thought to myself, "Well, yeah, you're you're a lovely person." I think actually my reaction <laughs> to that was, "Okay, we'll just we'll just park that there now, and we'll not mention that ever again." Mm, yeah, move on because exactly the other one was a simple thing of, um, "Oh, your other friends are, are worried about you." Um, or no, the people that you know are worried about you and your mental health, and you know I want to know: Are you taking your tablets? Oh, right, because that's now, the answer. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And, and now the funny thing is, with that person, that person to this day will still claim that they were they had my best interests at heart and okay. that they, they're on my side. Incredible, isn't it? And, and I've said that the, the, the actual parting words I had to that person was, well, we're friends like you, and I just walked away. Yeah. You know the way usually women are brilliant chatters. Now you are a brilliant talker. I will. I'll give you that. But yeah, you'd be, you'd be a <laughs> No, you're all right, and we'll buy you a full stop. No, you're grand. <laughs> it's yeah. brilliant. You're a perfect radio guest. But it's harder for fellas to talk, isn't it? It's much more difficult for men, in particular, to speak up when they have any kind of a problem at all, especially yeah. something like depression or anxiety. Do you find that I, it's difficult for men? I do. I do. But I do. Do you know what I find? I find people open up to me. Right. Okay. I'm now, not whether yeah. whether that's whether that's because I'm a good talker and I extract it. Like I, by my nature, I'm a fixer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, okay. what, that's what I do from my work. I fix things and somebody says it's broken, right there it is fixed. Okay. My wife, for a long, long time, you know, had the men are from Mars and the women from Venus, the whole thing that she'd come home after a bad day and I'd say to her, right, well, if you do this, do that, do this, do that, do the other, there it is sorted. Yeah. And I could never understand why with me, she would just listen to what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, are you not going to suggest a solution? And she goes, no. So I read the book and I figured out, yeah, we're all wired differently. And I think that's the significance of this whole, when you talk about mental and physical and psychological, is everybody in this world is wired differently. Yeah. There is no such thing as normal. And I know if Ashling's listening to this at home now, she's going to be saying, he's off on that one now. Basically, <laughs> I, hear, I hate when I hear someone say, oh, that's not normal. Oh, yeah. So, and I mean, what is normal? Yeah, that's exactly the question I ask. And she, she'll say to me, oh, oh you started them. And I mean, that is what I start with people. I say, look, at, you know, 
you know, you're not no, you're not normal. What is normal? Um, mm. You know, it's it's just it's such a minefield. But the thing about it is, is that you know, there's some stuff that there's some things that yeah, okay, could be classed as abnormal or wrong. That's that's what I'm not talking about. That that when someone does something to excuse it and say, mm. oh well, you know, I, I I did that because. Yeah. You know, I, I, I draw the line there. What I'm talking about is somebody who said, like, for example, me, one another thing, I, and I can only speak from personal experience, like, I avoid social situations like the plague, even though I'm a great talker, and I am the life and soul of the party when I get there. I will I will avoid things You'll try like to get that. out of it, will you? Yeah. Is it your first instinct go, to try to get out of it? Yeah, exactly. I didn't go to my, my brother-in-law's uh, stag party over in London because... I was like, no, I didn't want to go there. I was worried about it. I had the your I, anxiety I just, had kicked in, had it about it? Yeah, mm. I would say I. I you hear people say I had the willies. I had the willies, you know, and I just didn't yeah. want to go. And yeah. that will always be that will always be something that I regret. Yeah, that I didn't do, and you know that's what did kick in. So what I would yeah. say is that. You know, that for me would have been quite normal. Like, Ashling, my wife, would know, well, if he doesn't go to something, that's what he does. Yeah, and that's quite normal for you. But this Facebook yeah. page, what's your aim for it? What do you hope to achieve? Well, first of all, is by me talking about it, I'd like to, I'd like for people to be able to read, you know, what I've said. So if you go onto that Facebook page and you go back to the oldest posts, you'll see I've written my story. And my story, it's in quite in in great detail in there of how it affects me, what I've done. Mm. Now, I might tell you it's very, it, you know, you look at some of the motivational stuff that I put up there. But I am, I think about a lot of stuff. I mm. I'm, I'm constantly thinking, and, and that's part of my condition. Is I'm always thinking about, well, what happens if and what happens yeah. when. But if I go out for a run which I find very therapeutic. If I go out for a run, I'm thinking about what I want to post the next day. And I, I might see something and I'd yeah. say, oh, do you know that has a connection to yeah. such a thing that you hear people yeah. complaining about that it affects them? And then I try and connect the dots and say, right. have a look at this and have you ever considered that? Well, if anybody but, needs any help, I have to wrap it here, Michael. I'm afraid I'm coming right up on yeah. top of news. So the Lemonade Cart is your page on Facebook and I have to say many thanks. Best of luck to you with the page and good wishes to you and your family, Michael. Thanks a million for taking the time. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get lowest can be APR, zero deposit required and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. Welcome back to Late Lunch. Don't forget you can text or WhatsApp us on 086-1800-658. We do read all the texts and we try to get through as many as we can. Now, we're going to chat a little bit about social media. The whole discussion was prompted by the comments last week by the pop star, movie star and social influencer Selena Gomez. Now, she's well known the world over having been a child star in The Wizards of Waverly Place on television, but she's since become a worldwide superstar in her own right. Now, she said so Social media has been terrible for her generation. The 26-year-old is currently the third most followed star on Instagram with just 150 million followers. She's just behind Cristiano Ronaldo and Ariana Grande. So now, sitting across from me in studio today, I have two young ladies, two teenagers who say they couldn't live without their smartphones and a young woman who did just that. She gave up her smartphone over a year and a half ago. Girls, do you know what? Maybe you'll introduce yourselves. How are you? Hi, I'm Sophia. I'm 14. Sophia, you're 14. Hi, I'm Orla. I'm 13. Orla, just come a little bit closer to the microphone for me there, Pat. Do it again. Hi, I'm Orla. I'm 13. 
And I'm Lisa and I'm 35. Lisa, Orla, <laughs> Sophia, how are you? You're all very welcome to Late Lunch. Maybe I'll start with the younger girls here. So Selena Gomez says it's social media has been terrible for her generation and she says it scares her to see how exposed young people are when they're using social media. So I guess I'll start with asking you girls, first of all, what social media sites are you on? Orla, what social media sites do you use? I'm on Instagram and Snapchat. Okay. I'm the same, yeah, Instagram and Snapchat. And what's so good about Instagram and Snapchat? Neither of you said Facebook. Why is that? Um, I guess it's just because it's easier to access. Like, you don't have to sign in all the time. You can say Facebook is for older people. Is that what you want to say to me? <laughs> That's I'm on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you're in your 30s and you're on Facebook. Orla, you're not on Facebook. Why is Facebook just gone? I don't know. It's, it's not cool, is it not? <laughs> is it not? Sophia, what's so good then? What's so good about Instagram and Snapchat? I think it's just easier to like, get to your friends and everything if you want to talk to them. Really? It's yeah. just instant. That's yeah. the thing about it, isn't it? It's instant. Is yeah. it? So you just send a message and straight away, ping, you have an answer back. Is that it? Yeah. Do you think there's anything bad about Instagram or Snapchat? I feel like if it's used the wrong way, it's not good. Really? Tell me an example. How can it be used the wrong way? Do you find like people saying nasty things on it? Yeah, I feel like if someone was saying like sending mean messages to someone, um, it's not very nice. But if you're sending just like messages to your friends, I think it's okay. You think it's okay? Really? Yeah. Lisa, can I come to you for a second? What What was the thing about smartphones and social media that made you take the decision to ditch them? Um, mainly for me, it was my mental health. Um, I work now as a nutrition and health coach and um, I just got into that in the last few years after a period of ill health with my physical health and my mental health. And um, it was very clear to me that using a smartphone was having a big impact on my mental health in particular my anxiety levels I suffered really badly with anxiety so um so that was the main reason why um I wanted to give it up my husband and I both gave up um our smartphones and yeah it's the best thing we ever did <laughs> so what was life like for yourself and your husband when you had the smartphones were you just constantly on them yeah yeah that was it um just they were always in our hands always there we were always sort of you know, looking for them and, um, you know, picking them up as soon as we heard uh, a notification or anything or even picking them up when we didn't hear anything. It was just a, a thing that we did all the time, like a almost like a tick or something that yeah. you go reach for your phone all the time. Would um, you look at the phone before you got out of the bed in the morning? Um, well, not before I got out of bed. The alarm would go off on the phone on the and phone? I'd get out and switch the alarm off and then check all the social media apps. What vital stuff had come in in the night when you were <laughs> exactly, sleeping. Exactly, yeah. I, I was never too bad. I, I never brought a phone into bed with me. I don't know. That's just something I, I have and I never got into. I know a lot of people do that. Yeah. Um. So thankfully, I never got into that. So I think that was something that kind of helped. A lot of people do up. that into the bed, into the bathroom with them. Yes. People don't leave the... Now look at the two... The, the girls, two girls are, are blushing. Blushing and looking at one another here. Oh, I wish this was television. <laughs> Come back here to me, Orla. Sophia, do you bring your phones to the bathroom? Yeah. Oh, my God almighty. What do you think is going to happen in the time that you're going into the bathroom? Say five minutes. Is something vital? You're going to miss something. No. <laughs> then why? Is the phone permanently in your hands? Yeah, definitely. Is it? All yeah. the time? 
all the time. So can you imagine like the teenagers today? I mean, they've grown up with smartphones. You guys have grown up with smartphones, okay? It must be hard for you to imagine what life was like when I was growing up. We'll say we had a landline at home that my father monitored very strictly. And we were, if he walked in and we were on the phone, he would just put his finger on the button and he didn't care who you were talking to. It was his phone bill and that was the end of it. Um, Can you imagine that? Can you imagine life like that? No. No, I can't. No. You can't. Can you imagine your uh, boyfriend ringing the house and your father answering the phone and saying, Lisa, there's a boy on the phone for you. Can you imagine that? No, I'd have to make sure he wouldn't ring. You'd what? Just make sure he wouldn't ring. You'd tell me not to ring, not to ring the house in case your daddy answered the phone. So tell me about your life then, because I don't know. I'm not 14 anymore. I mean, I was 13, 14 many moons ago when God was a boy, but... There were no phones. Imagine there were no computers. I said goodbye to my friends on a Friday evening after school and I didn't see them till Monday because they lived miles away. And I, I'm from down the country, but they, they lived miles away. So I didn't see them and I had no contact with them. Can you imagine what that must be like? Tell me about your life. How do you meet friends? I'll, I'll ask you, Sophia. How do you um, get to know people? Is it always through... Do You, you have school friends, obviously, yeah. but outside of school, we'll say, how do you meet people? It depends. It's kind of just if I was like meeting new people, it would either be friends of friends or whoever's just around on the road or whatever, who's ever. Yeah, and where? Yeah. what would you do? I mean, where do you go to hang out? What do 14-year-olds do nowadays? I mean, you always have your phone in your hand, but say you meet up with a bunch of your friends then. Are the phones put away? No, they're not. No, everyone's on their phones. But you're sitting together, meeting yeah, up. Yeah, no. There's, it's not really social. Explain that to me. <laughs> like, sometimes there's conversations going and then other times, like, you're with your friends but they're on their phones so then you kind of have to go on your phone because, like, you can't talk. But you can't make conversation. You've arranged to meet up and you're sitting there and yeah, this is meant to be a social gathering. And even still, like, it's kind of there's less to talk about because you're always talking to your friends on the phones anyway. So you've it all said before you meet up. Exactly. Orly, you told me something off air about um, one day when you were sitting with a friend. Tell us, tell us again what she did. Um, I was sitting with her and she was like right beside me and she had her phone out and she was like not really paying attention to what I was talking about. And then she just like texted me something and sent me a link to something when she could have just told me it. <laughs> and she was sitting right beside you. Yeah. And she sent you a link to something and texted you what she wanted. Has she lost the ability to speak? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what, how does that happen? I mean, how, this is a perfect example, isn't it, Lisa, yeah. of, of why, I mean, yeah, and phones I, dominate like, lives. I often um, really sympathise with teenagers because a big uh, factor in my decision to give up my phone was because I could remember life before smartphones. Yeah. I only had a smartphone from my early 20s. So I could remember the, the peace and the, the calm that went along with, with life before smartphones and so I wanted to kind of reclaim that so in considering that I often really sympathize with teenagers because like you said like they can't even imagine a life before smartphones um, and what it must be like to to not have one so yeah it's extremely difficult I mean I know I like I do talks now to um, groups businesses and clubs and everything about giving up smartphones but it's I know it's incredibly difficult for teenagers because the the idea of being without their smartphone is just it's horrifying, s- isn't it? They can't even. Is it fan- scary? Fan- yeah. Fan- is it scary really. for you, Sophia? If you thought if I said to you now, give me your phone, I'll give it back to you on Monday. 
Is that scary for you? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> is it? Why? Why? I Why just feel scary? like I'm going to be left out of conversations with my friends or whatever because like in group chats, do you know what I mean? Like everything's planned over group chats. Like if someone was to decide they wanted to go shopping tomorrow, like they'd ask over a group chat who wanted to go with me, I feel like I might be left out. Okay, well, that's a good point, actually. If that's how you communicate and that's how you get to know about things. But Orla was telling me something offline about a huge group chat and how many messages you had in it. Come real close to that microphone because I want people (laughs) to hear this because I couldn't believe this. Tell us that story. In a group chat just today in my school, there's like over one, no, it was 17,000. Over 17,000 messages. (laughs) 17,000 messages on one group chat. Yeah. How in how uh, like a robot couldn't get through that? Like how how are you supposed to read all of those? I don't read them. You I just d- press on it to make the number go away. <laughs> <laughs> you just press on it to make the number go away. Oh my god. Oh my we have to go to a break in a second, but I want to ask you one quick question to the teenagers here. Are your mum and dad addicted to their smartphones? You can be honest. Yeah, my mom's my mom's not bad at all. She always has her phone on silent, but mm-hmm. um, we're not allowed our phones at the dinner table. But my dad decides that it's okay to have the phone in front of him. He either has the golf or the football <gasps> on, and oh. he's watching that. And we're all trying to make conversation with him, and he's just had his head in the phone. Oh no, that's not allowed. That's not fair. You're not no. allowed to have your phone, but he's allowed watch golf <laughs> yeah. on his phone. Tut tut, daddy, that's not good. What about you, Orla? No, I don't think. They are. They're not addicted to their smartphones, no? No. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> All right, that's, that's, there's hope there, there's hope. <laughs> We're going to have to take a break, but we'll be back shortly with more chat about social media. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get lowest can be APR, zero deposit required, and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. Welcome back to Late Lunch, where we're talking about social media. If you want to tell us your experience or just drop us a text or a WhatsApp, you can do so on 0861800658. Now, Lisa, you're in your 30s. You gave up your smartphone about a year and a half ago and you told us the reasons why you did that. Do you think being on social media is in any way dangerous for teenagers or even for adults? Do you think it's dangerous these days? Um, Yes, and and for a number of different reasons. I mean, um, with teenagers, we often talk about things like social media and smartphones affecting like... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Their self-esteem and cyberbullying mm. and things like that. Um, and, uh, but... You know, adults, I think as well, there's a lot of conversations around protecting children online. But honestly, I think uh, smartphones and social media are having major impacts on everyone, on everyone's mental health. And, um, you know, I as a nutrition and health coach now, I do talks to help people um, come off their smartphones uh, and not necessarily give them up like I did, but to reduce the amount of time they spend on them and have kind of a 
a healthier relationship with their smartphone. And so I've done lots of research for those talks, just so that I'm not talking about kind of my own opinion and my own experience. Mm-hmm, of course, yeah. And the more I read the most recent research about smartphones and social media, the more I think... Thank God I gave up my phone because it's it's scary, really. Um, and smartphones are so new. I mean, the first iPhone was only introduced just over 10 years ago. So it's it, there's not a lot of research out there and it's yeah. all just kind of coming out now where, you know, we really don't know what the long-term impacts of being on social media and smartphones all the time are. But um, just like one study in particular in America by an American psychologist, she kind of made the comparison um, and uh, between drug and alcohol use. And basically over the last 10 years, drug and alcohol use among American teenagers has steadily declined, which is great. Yeah. But at the same time, smartphone use has increased and so too has anxiety and depression among teenagers and suicide rates among teenagers. Now, it's not as simplistic to say, well, smartphones are to blame for all of that, but smartphones have completely changed the way teenagers live their lives as we were just talking about so you know you can't really say that smartphones haven't had some sort of impact in those those statistics of course those statistics are staggering aren't they really what do you think about that girls smartphones really have changed the way everybody's lives are run i mean you guys don't remember a time before smartphones do you no. no. You've always had them. I was driving home last week. I passed by a secondary school. The students were all coming out. It was just after three o'clock. They were all coming out and every single girl had her head in her phone. There was two girls walking around, walking along with their arms around each other, sharing a phone, but they were just scrolling, scrolling. Scro- I mean, I d- could it be that important? They were just literally <laughs> out the school gates and the heads yeah. were down and they were walking the path. I was driving along and I mean, they didn't even watch where they were going. Yeah. These girls, they all had a phone you know, smartphones are addictive and that's what I've learned since I gave up my phone because I was very flippant at the time and thought, oh God, I'm so addicted to my phone. And you'd hear people say that, oh, I'm so addicted to it. Mm. But giving it up has showed me that it is a real addiction. You know, yeah. smartphones, it's very well known, are designed based on the same principles as slot machines in a casino and that we get a hit of, of dopamine or kind of feel good We get hormone. a high, yeah. We get a high every time we check our phone and every time we swipe, that's what makes us keep swiping because the next swipe might be something really interesting. It might be uh, an announcement from my best friend who just got engaged or it could be, <laughs> you know, someone I haven't spoken to in 20 years has just entered a competition to win a banana or something, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We still get that hit of excitement. You get that hit or that if next. you go on Facebook and the little head appears that someone has sent you a friend request, you're like, oh, I wonder who this could be, you yeah, know? Exactly. And you even like I, I have a Facebook account, but I'm very rarely on it and I do use it a lot for work. But I, I found Facebook has just gone. Oh, it's just ridiculous these yeah, days. It's full yeah. of ads and rubbish. So I just, I, just, I really just <laughs> don't bother thing just I, that I wanted to make sure I say is that it's very well known that the big technology CEOs in Silicon Valley, so Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, who invented the iPhone, that they do not allow their children to access the very technologies that they have designed because they, they are know. more informed than anyone. They know how they are designed and how they are designed to be addictive. And yeah. they have made that informed decision to protect their children yeah. from those technologies. Because they so know the dangers. Does that not yeah. tell us Doesn't everything tell us? we need to know? Absolutely. <laughs> Can I jump back to Sophia and Orla now? Because one thing that really bothers me is is the image of perfection that's online these days. I mean, yeah. everybody has perfect skin, perfect hair, perfect lips 
perfect lives. I mean, this is just, I mean, Instagram photos, all they show is this perfection, isn't it? I mean, that's not realistic, but where is this, where has this come from, this need to look perfect? I mean, I was looking yesterday when we were talking about this issue at, at photographs of myself when I was Orla's age, Sophia's age. Sure, I didn't give a toss how I looked. <laughs> I had makeup on me or a bit. I, you know, I was just there with my friends smiling at the camera. Yeah. I didn't care. But now, I mean, you guys, I can't answer for you. So tell me, like, how do you guys feel? We'll come to Sophia. How do you feel before you post a picture on Instagram? Has it? Does it have to be perfect? Yeah, I think it's definitely like you, you want to look nice in it because there's a lot around like how many likes you get and everything. Like if someone gets more likes than you and if you post like a picture at the same time, it's like, why am I getting that much? Do you know what I mean? It's So what do you do? You use filters? I mean, look no. at the two of them. They're beautiful. <laughs> Their skin is perfect. Oh, but you don't use filters? No. Okay. Okay, so then what? what's the criteria for making that picture look perfect before you post it? Like, what do you, what do you have to do? Do you just take a nice picture? Do you take yeah. a million pictures before you pick the one <laughs> no. that you post? No, you don't. No, okay, no. well, then you're quite rare, I think, because most of them do. They're pouting and looking, taking yeah. selfies, and it has to be perfect, and... Putting little bunny ears or whatever, <laughs> making your cheeks or your teeth whiter or whatever, all this sort of stuff. I, I mean, I, I'm not great at, 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 at with smartphones. I, they're basic to me, but I know all about this stuff now. I'm, I, but I mean, let's say there's a huge influence out there from people like the Kardashians. Oh my God, oh. yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah. me about that. How do you feel about <laughs> those girls? I just feel like they come across like they're Miss Perfect all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like they... They never look bad, ever. They're always, like, dolled up to the nines, whether they're going to the gym or anything. Like, yeah. I just think it's very fake. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, they're showing yeah. a picture of them working out in the gym with a full face and makeup and fake eyelashes and on. Such a, they have such a young audience, like... Yeah, I mean, do yeah. you guys watch their TV show? Orla, do you watch the Kardashians? No. Do you like them? No. Are they any influence <laughs> on you? Not really. <laughs> do you think they're beautiful? I don't really, like, follow them or anything. Yeah, like, but you know what they look like. Would that be yeah. your idea of beauty? No. No? Sophia, do you think they're beautiful, in particular the Kardashians? I think everyone is, to be honest. Aww. I just, like, they're very fake. Like, the amount of things they've had done is unreal. Like, I just don't think they need to come across like that. So do you think it's a totally fake world that they're living in and that we're living in through them? Yeah, because we don't know what's going on behind their closed doors, no matter whether they bring a million cameras in to their house. Yeah. There's something going on, definitely, but we don't see it. Is there any anyone out there uh, in the pop world or the movie world that you think is a good influence that you do like? Who do you follow? Do you follow people, famous people on Instagram? Orla, who do you follow? I follow Selena Gomez. Who do you follow? I follow Selena Gomez. Oh, do you? All yeah. oh, right, so there you are, the very lady that prompted <laughs> this discussion. Anyone else? Um, Ariana Grande. Okay, well, they're two good role models, aren't they? They are very healthy role models, two beautiful girls, very talented, but they seem to have a good balance in their lives in terms of social media. And Sophia, what about you? I follow out of people. Do you? Go yeah. on, give me an idea. Um, I really like Harry Styles. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he doesn't use his phone that much. He only kind of post stuff whenever he's on tour or whatever because he likes he doesn't like people knowing what he's doing all the time in his private life yeah 
Isn't this incredible, Lisa? When when I was growing up, and you're a lot younger than me, but when I was growing up, and I, I idolised whoever, I can't remember, but there was no way on God's green earth I had any access to those people who yeah. were superstars. Yeah. I can't even remember. The first movie I went to see was Grease. I was about, I don't know, 10 10 years and so Olivia Newton John John Travolta oh my god I was in love but there was no way in God's world I was ever going to be able to have anything to do with these people but now you can you can make a comment on their Twitter feed or on on Instagram and they'll see it they might reply they might reply that's that's incredible you know what isn't that incredible do you think that's exciting I think it's exciting yeah but there's people who leave not nice comments and they can see them as well. I just think it's not fair. Yeah, so yeah, that's uh, there's also that, yeah. isn't there? There are so many great benefits to social media. And like, I'm not anti-social media or anti-the internet. No. I use social media for my business. And it's, I mean, the reason I'm here, the reason I have a business is because I've promoted it on social media. But it's it's a bit of a beast, I suppose. It's just exploded in the last 10 years. So it's it's very hard to, to just get the benefits of it without getting all the, the negatives that come with it as yeah. well. Well, I'm giving, giving the signal now that I have to wrap up this conversation. Can you imagine? It's gone so <laughs> fast, hasn't it? Just before we go, though, I just want to ask the girls, just yes or no, are girls or boys worse are girls addicted to their phones more or are boys what do you think it depends is it girls really? or boys I think it depends on the person really I think it you does, don't think yeah. it's girls I would have said girls I would have just said the girls seem to be yeah you yeah, think it's true. it depends on the individual person it depends yeah. on the person yeah oh right okay well that's that's not an answer I expected I thought you'd say yeah the girls we're much worse ah <laughs> uh, guys you're great thanks a million Lisa thank you so thank much you. the best of luck with your business and girls thanks a million Sophia good luck going home after what you said about your dad yeah. hand over those phones here I'm keeping them till Monday thanks a million for coming into studio you taught me so much about social media but you also gave me an insight into what life is like for teenagers today so it's a long time since I've been there thanks a million guys thank you take care The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors setting the standards higher for award winning customer service you can trust visit the regional dealer for Renault and Dacia in the northeast for exclusive launch offers with the lowest can be APR finance and finance arranged within four hours dare to live Welcome back to Late Lunch. Now, when I read the blog for this next item, I have to say I laughed out loud because I thought, no, this could not be true, but apparently it is. I'm going to chat with Farmer Own Sharkey about the incredible and hilarious questions he gets asked when he takes his mobile farm around to schools and events around the country. Own, how are you? Not a bother in yourself. You're very welcome to Late Lunch. I'm doing great. This is going to be great fun because some of the questions that you were asked are hilarious. But before we get to the questions, you take your mobile farm around to schools around the country. First of all, where, where did you get the idea to do this, Owen? Um, I, I have three kids at home and when my eldest child was in, um, in um, nursery school, she came home one day and she was really sad and upset. And I was like, Anna, what's wrong? And she said to me, she says, Daddy, did you know there are children in my class and they don't have ponies. <laughs> God, the innocence. I, I realised that my kids have been brought up in a bubble and um, not alone that didn't have ponies, but they'd never seen pigs and geese and goats and things like that. So the teacher asked me, could I bring in a goat and brought in a goat and then kind of bring in pigs and things like that. So I suppose that's how it got started. And now, four or five years later now, um, we're on the road three or four days a week going around schools all over Ireland doing food festivals as far away as Dingle, um, Dungarvan, West Waterford. Um, yeah. The farthest away school I've done this year so far has been down in um, Killarney. Um, and do you think, we, have, we, have we lost touch with with things, Owen? Have we lost touch with our roots? We are a farming nation. And we, have we lost touch with it? 
Yeah, so I think that a couple of years ago, people were maybe like a generation away from the farm where mm. their uncle or their auntie or their clanny had a farm and they would bring the kids there like once or twice a year and they get to run around the farm and mm-hmm. see the animals and the sheep and the pigs right. and goats and all that. But now, all of a sudden, that's jumped to like three generations and farms have also moved to become so big and commercial and industrial that they're no longer safe and accessible to let the kids run around anymore. That's true. And kids, yeah, and kids, I find that kids in the cities actually have more familiarisation with farm animals than kids in the countryside. How is that? Because they will generally go to the zoo at least once a year, either with their parents or with the school. And then they'll also go to the likes of the open farms around Dublin area, like the Dundraw, like um, Airfield and uh, Castleton House, places like that. Okay. But country kids don't get brought to open farms. No, they, they don't. Because, yeah, 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 it's taken for granted you see enough sheep around you, isn't that it? But they never yeah. get near them. They never get near them. They're, they're what I would refer to sheep and cattle as car window animals. We see them every day, but we don't interact with them. Like, for instance, I'm in a, I'm in a lovely Montessori here now in um, Dublin, and the kids ask me questions, such novelty questions, like, what time do the lambs go to bed at? Um, <laughs> do they sleep all night? All this sort of stuff. Oh, God, it's, that's it's, adorable. It's, yeah, it is. It is cute, and it's great, because it's a Montessori, so it's a familiarisation. But the questions you get asked by the older kids are... Just Listen. like you couldn't, you couldn't make up. Oh, and something. I read some of them, and it's not just kids, but adults. Oh, now tell me yeah. the, the chocolate milk one. You have to tell everybody that one. So the chocolate milk one came from. So when I'm doing the schools, um, the first couple of years I had this problem where I would go to school and the teacher might take a few pictures, leave the class with me, and she'd disappear off and start doing her Facebook or Instagram. So I have to keep the teachers as much involved with what I'm doing as much as the students. So it's hard work now in keeping the charm and talking to the kids and all that. So I'd often put the teacher on the spot saying, now, now kids, we're going to do some questions now, but we're going to take a, the first question from a teacher. And she'd say, oh God, I haven't thought of a question. Um, <laughs> well, wait till I think. Um, so is it true that only brown cows can give you chocolate milk? Uh, and stuff like that, yeah. And then another... As she was messing on. No, she wasn't, she wasn't. And like another teacher in a tie, and sometimes you know the saying, when you ask a silly question, you should get a silly answer. Absolutely, yeah. So the teacher in a tie asked me, um, how much cocoa do you have to give a cow to get chocolate milk? And of course, I immediately replied was that well, everybody knows it's 100 grams per litre of milk. <laughs> and then we did the next question. And she was there and she was nodding her head, doing the maths or whatever, I don't know what she was doing. If there was anything between the years at all. And I looked back and I said, you do know I was joking, don't you? And she was like, joking? Oh, you don't? What? <laughs> what? Oh God, and yeah, she's no. teaching the next generation. Yeah, but see, people just... They don't, the, 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 what I'm doing is at least I'm putting the question to people that they should think about their food and think about where their food comes from. Yeah. And people just sometimes, they don't see food as anything but just a necessity, a daily chore. And because they don't put any value on their food. And that's the problem that we have, that food is no longer, food should be part of the syllabus. The ch- children are educated about food in schools and it's not. And we need to, what I'm doing is, I'm bringing proper productive farm animals to schools. So okay, bringing, so so you want to, you think it's important that that children make that connection, do you, between between the fluffy lamb and the dinner? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because like other questions I've got asked by school kids is like um, like a lovely boy in a school and we're told he pointed the pig's bum one day and he said, "Excuse me, farmer, if the poo comes out there, where does the sausages come out?" Oh God! <laughs> and like. 
That's hilarious and sad at the same time. Yes, but can I see... Kids play these games on their parents' phones, like sort of Heyday and Farmville and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. In those games, you cut your corn, you feed your pig. When your pig is fat, you bring it to the butcher. It goes into a barrel, and a shopping basket comes out on top with your ration sauce. You sell that to buy more land or whatever. Right. But okay. your pig comes out skinny, and then you fatten the pig again. Oh, so it's right. A continuous cycle of fattening the pig. There is no end of life in mm. the pig production. Mm. So that's where kids bring it up at the dinner table with their parents, and they're told now, "Shh, be quiet now, eat your dinner." And it comes up at the school as well. And the teachers have to be very cautious about approaching the subject because they don't know what one's um, maybe religious beliefs are, or what their parents believe in, yeah. or why that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, have you found when you explain this to kids and they make the connection between maybe if you have little baby chickens, these little little fluffy yellow chicks, and, and then they make the connection that, well, that's going to grow up and that's going to be your chicken nugget. I, I no, mean, are kids no, upset? I've, I've been doing it now for so many years that there's very good, subtle ways of bringing it up. Where generally what I will do is I will often get the kids to bring it up. And the kids, you'll find that actually they know themselves. Like, I was asked a couple of years ago in doing the Won't Be a Farm and Bloom um, by a child about, I said to him, I did a quick pig talk, and I said, when a pig is seven months old, from such and such a way, from this time, send it to the butcher. And then he asked me, put up his hand, he got the microphone, he asked me, he says, he said, you send it to the butcher seven months, is it shorter the second time round, send it to the butcher? Oh, my God. So I had to explain this. It's a very quick pig talk, and I skipped little bits along the way. Mm. And the animal has to go to an abattoir and then the animal then is put to sleep and then all the yucky stuff taken out of the tummy and sent to the butcher and the butcher cuts it up and that's how we eat. And everybody was waiting on this child to see what his reaction was going to be. Yeah. So was I. Yeah. And he t- and he paused for a few seconds. Well, this child was there, you know, he was 11 maybe. Yeah. And she said, is that the same as beef? I was like, exactly the same. Oh, right, okay. okay. There was no problem. They, they know what happens, but... Sometimes they just need a little bit of reassurance. So I will ask the kids, I'll talk to them, maybe do the pig talk first. So we'll do one or two of the animals and then we do questions. So we'll do the pig talk and I'll ask the kids questions like, you know, what do you call the mammy pig? What do you call the daddy pig? Mm, mm. Ask them questions like that. And then I would say to them, as a farmer now, what would the pig produce for me as a farmer? The kids yeah. will put up their hand and they'll say, sausages, rashers. That's very good. So the pig produces meat for the farmer. Right, okay, so... Three arms. We don't need to elaborate any more than that. Yeah. This is not oh, no. they've, they, They're the ones making that association and yeah. giving them the reassurance of it. Like, yeah. You will get some people asking about, oh, that's not nice eating the animals, and why do you have to eat them? Yeah. You say, well, now, kids, everybody who had um, chicken or ham yesterday, put up your hand. And they all put up their hand. And just explain to them this. You should make sure that the meat you're eating comes from ethically reared animals. If the animals had a good life that's had freedom of expression, freedom from injury and ailments, freedom from hunger and thirst. Right. It's been well looked after. And then don't put so much emphasis on the last two seconds. Yeah. But, oh, and you know the old showbiz saying goes, never worked with children or animals. You've chosen to work with both of them. Are you crazy? Oh, God. There, absolutely. There's never a day the same. There's never a day the same. It doesn't make it, you crazy then. You actually enjoy it. it, 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 it oh, I have the best job in the world. Now, it's a hard job. You're up early in the morning. You have to get all the animals loaded and all that. Yeah. Like through Dublin City traffic and all that. But over the years, what really does it for me is that over the years, as I said, I've done almost 200 schools now. Each school that I'm going to is a couple of hundred kids. Yeah. The amount of kids that I've seen going through the mobile farm system or the mobile farm show, whatever you want to call it, it's it's 
on it's a huge number and I will have kids come up to me when I go into Dublin city centre and that just kids will walk up to me and start pointing at me going oh I remember you you're at my school and it's great yeah so know. it stays with them yeah it's it's, 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 it's I know it's having an impact on yeah. children and I suppose it, it's a very good opportunity for children to actually ask those questions which their parents necessarily don't want to answer very reluctant it's, to answer yeah oh and I have yeah. to wrap it there I'm afraid I'm, I'm way over time but thanks a million thanks a million for joining me best of luck with everything have a great weekend the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Opening launch sales offers are now available from Blackstone Motors and we are giving away a 191 Renault Clio. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda now to enter. You're very welcome back to Late Lunch. Now, a beautiful new initiative is up and running in County Meath. It's cooperation between a Montessori school and Silverstream Home in Ratoth. On the line to tell me a bit more about this absolutely lovely idea is Eilish Balf. How are you, Eilish? Hi, I'm grand. Thanks for me. Eilish, you're a teacher from Ratoth Montessori School. I am, yeah. This is the nicest idea I've heard about in a long time. Can, <laughs> will you tell the listeners about it? It involves elderly residents of Silverstream and the children from the Montessori. It does. We go down on a Monday um, at 11 o'clock to Silverstream. We're quite lucky because it's only like five minutes away from us so we can walk down and um, bring about 12 children down with us and stay for about an hour and uh, we just do different things with them. So every week it's different. Um, We ask the children what they want to do before they go down. So they might say Play-Doh or they might bring some of the toys down that are here like the clicks or the Lego and they bring it down and they just play with the residents and they're down there with the toys. <laughs> and how do the kids react to elderly people and, and how do the residents react to the, the company? Do they enjoy the company of such young children? They do, yes. We've been told by the nursing home that like the, the mood changes in the morning time on a Monday because they know we're coming. So at breakfast time, they're talking about us coming down. Then obviously we come down and then at dinner time, they're talking about what they did. So the mood lasts through the day. But when we bring the children into the the nursing home, you can feel the whole place changing. Um, And it just, everybody, like, sometimes when we go into the uh, the day room where they are, a lot of them will be asleep. But when they hear the children coming up, coming in, immediately they wake up and there's a lot of interaction going on then. So the the mood completely changes the the day when they come in. And some of these elderly residents are in the, the starting, the beginning stages of dementia. And yeah, they are. Yeah, and they enjoy the company of the, of these young children. They do. They do indeed. Um, it just it 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 just it's providing um like both sets of generations with um just to just it increases both self esteem. Um, so they um our children are more careful and kind with the residents, where the residents become more alive when our children come in. Um, we. There is another dementia ward upstairs that we used to visit, um, but that one we have to be a little bit careful with. So I used to run upstairs and see what the mood was up there, and if everybody was in a good mood, we'd go up to see them. Um, mm-hmm. And they like to sing nursery rhymes, so um, we sing nursery rhymes with them. And again, um, that just lifts the day because of the nursery rhymes. Oh, bless. And do the kids get to ask questions? I mean, and what kind of questions do they? I imagine you oh, must yeah, get they're, they're, funny questions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they ask them a lot of questions, um, like you know the the old uh, the older uh, residents will tell them about, like you know we were down there at Christmas one time and they were saying about how they got mandarins in their socks, and the children couldn't <laughs> believe this because obviously they 
get chocolate in their socks and yeah. um, there's a lot of talk about the war and then they'll ask their residents like were dinosaurs still around when they were <laughs> when they were children so you know or if a bike comes up it's like oh did you have a bike when you were my age so they can't believe that like you know the, the residents who are so old that would have like a lot of stuff that they have at the moment like bikes and stuff like that you know oh god and imagine the residents must get quite a kick out of those questions as well from oh, the little do, ones absolutely but there's there's no there's no barriers between um the residents and our children you know yeah. um they they don't see what we see they don't see um like the the aging process you know i think sometimes we get a little bit frightened by it because we see maybe where we're going to be where they don't see that at all. So there, there's no barriers when they go down. They just see new little friends. Yes, yes. And they're like, they will say, like, they will um, mention the resident's name and say that person is their best old friend. Um, they like it, like they'll say that they love going to see the granny and granddads of Rathos. And we even have a situation now where when they're passing the nursing home on the way home from the Montessori, they want to call in themselves with their moms and dads to see their friends in there. So it is even going one step further now where they're not just relying on us to go in and see them. Yeah. They are like nearly like going knocking in like they would their own friends and say, would you like to come out and play? You know. Oh, Eilish, it's a win-win situation, isn't it? it really? Is, yeah. It's a fantastic yeah, yeah. idea. Long yeah. may it continue. Eilish, thanks so much for taking time to chat to me today on Late Lunch. The very best of luck to you and those wonderful children. No problem. Thank thanks, you Eilish. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Joining me on the line now to chat about all the sporting action to look forward to this weekend um, from Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. How are you, Leon? I'm doing great, Joan. How are you? Marvellous. Thanks a million. Lots of sporting action to look forward to this weekend. Yeah, look, there certainly is. I suppose we'll start off with the um, League of Ireland and we'll uh, take in Dundalk, who are on a tremendous run of form at the moment. They've won eight out of their last nine games. They're joint top. Well, they're actually top because of goal difference ahead of Shamrock Rovers, but they're level on points. But Dundalk are really on a crest of a wave and they're up against the St. Patrick's athletic side who've only scored 15 goals it's actually the joint second lowest in the division. So I think Lily White fans will be hoping for a home victory. They're 4-11 to 11 to do so. St. Pats are as big as 7.5-1 to one, and the draw is 7-2. But as I said, I fully expect Dundalk to continue the momentum and get all three points at home. And Drogheda United are facing Galway at home as well this weekend. It was a huge win for Drogheda last week when they beat top of the table Cabin Teeley by five goals to nil. So that will certainly give the Drogs plenty of confidence uh, going into this fixture against Galway. And it's no surprise to see Drogheda as the odds-on favourites at one to two. They're taking on Galway, who are four to one. And the draw here is 16 to five. And it's a very important game, uh, Joan, for Drogheda. They're only three points off the top now. They're only uh, three points behind Cabinteely. So they need to keep this momentum going. And hopefully, I think everyone would love to see Drogheda United back up in the Premier Division. We'll switch codes over to the GEA and Mead are taking on Carlo and Mead were very disappointing against Offaly but maybe that's the wake-up call that they required and they are a six-point favourite minus six Mead at five to six you can back Carlo getting a six-point head start at 11 to 10 but as I said I think Mead they'll have woken up with that poor performance against Offaly and they had a good league campaign um, the lads from the Royal County and hopefully uh, they should be able to cover the spread the dubs are up against the Wee County there's no point in talking about the match odds because I think everyone expects Dublin to win and win comfortably but it's an 18 point handicap and what that means Joan is 
if you fancy Dublin minus 18, Dubs have got to win by 19 points or more. Or if you want to go the other way, you take Loud plus 18 points, and that's a 10 to 11 chance. And of course, it's a huge weekend at the Curra. It is the Irish 1,000 and 2,000 guineas. And tomorrow, we've got a really, really exciting uh, matchup when we've got the English 2000 Guineas winner Magna Grecia is taking on Too Darn Hot. Now, Too Darn Hot ran into Dante only last Thursday over a mile and a quarter at York. He didn't stay, so he's stepping back in trip, which I think will definitely suit him. He's trained by John Gosden. He'd be ridden by Frankie Dettori, and it's a fascinating uh, contest to see who will actually win this 2000 Guineas. I don't think the winner will come outside of both of them. They're joint 11-8 to favourites with Boyle Sports, and I just feel because John Gosden is running too darn hot only nine days after running at York, the horse must be giving him all the right signs. It's firm ground. So for me, I'm going to stick with too darn hot to win the Irish 2000 Guineas at the Curra tomorrow afternoon. Leon Blanche, Boyle Sports, there's loads there for sporting fans to keep them busy this weekend. Thanks a million for taking the time to chat with me today, Leon. Have a, have a great weekend, Joan. All you the best. too, Leon. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Setting the standards higher for award-winning customer service you can trust. Visit the regional dealer for Renault and Dacia in the Northeast for exclusive launch offers with lowest can be APR finance and finance arranged within four hours. Dare to live? Very welcome back to Late Lunch. Our final segment today and closing the show... I have the most wonderful story for you. A little girl who's one of the bravest children we have ever had on the show. And to put the icing on the cake at nine years of age, she's also an author. She's written her very own book and it's being sold through Eason's, no less. Her name is Bria Malarkey. She's from Garristown. And on the line now to tell me about this amazing little lady is Bria's dad, Tommy. How are you, Tommy? I'm really good, thank you. Great. Tell me about this amazing child of yours and, and, and what happened to her when she was just three years old. A terrifying diagnosis. Yeah, um, in 2013, she was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia and um, they started treatment immediately the day that she went into the hospital. And um, she was good for a year, uh, went through a lot of chemotherapy and then relapsed, unfortunately. And so um, she had to go for a transplant. And so we were lucky enough to find a, a match in Germany and she went through a transplant. So about four years ago last week, um, she's her anniversary was there and so she, yeah she's, she's doing really well now So Tommy she went through chemotherapy in Crumlin Children's Hospital and, and you thought all was okay for a while but unfortunately as you said a relapse then yeah. after a year and a bone marrow transplant that's what she had Yes she did What's involved in that Tommy? Um, so again another dose of chemotherapy a lot uh, stronger this time um, and they, they use that to eradicate her own marrow and then they, they do a, a bone marrow transplant which is just really a drip that's fed into her system and um, yeah they monitor that and then um, she had to go back again after that to get some T-cells uh, top-ups and um, then they were you know wor- worried about uh, graft versus host disease mm. and so they monitor that and, and do everything they can to um, make sure that the new marrow uh, doesn't take over her own system and, and start to fight her own body. That must have been incredibly tough for you and your family and for Bria. Yeah, we've had a lot of support uh, in the community itself and through uh, friends and family. So we we had a lot of people helping us along the way and did a lot of back and forward to the hospitals. So we had people stepping in and and minding the kids and things like that. So it was really good. But right up to the present day, she's nine years old now and and she's in good health? She's doing great, yep. 
She's um, back at school and doing really well. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, but all through her illness, I'm told, she went to the library as often as she could and was always smiling and laughing and mm. always in great form. Has she always been an avid reader? She has, yeah. Since she's been able to start reading um, through school, she's been you know, coming on leaps and bounds and then she started reading adventure stories and Harry Potter and things like that. So she really enjoyed that and um, enjoys drawing as well. She's reading Harry Potter at the age of nine. That's good. Yep, yep. She's, I think she's read most of them at this stage. Has she? Yeah. So then where did the idea come from? Was it Bria herself decided, well, you know what, I'm going to write my own book? Well, I think with Make-A-Wish, make when we applied, um, the BMT unit, the bone marrow transplant unit, suggested we should do it. And um, so we applied to the application forms. And they came back to us and asked us, you know, there's certain questions. What do you want to do? Who do you, what would you like to be? Who would you like to meet? And, um, you know, maybe where would you like to go? And we we just thought that we could go on holidays ourselves. And if we wanted to get a pony or something, we could do that ourselves. Yeah. Um, but to be able to do something like, um, you know, release a book and drawings of your own is something you'd be able to keep for a long time, you know. So, um, yeah, she said she'd like to write a book and make a wish jumped all over it with us. And that's what she did. Is she there, Tommy? Does she, she would is. you like to speak with me? Yep, sure. Hang on. Fantastic. Well, this is great. I'm very privileged. Very lucky. To speak Hi. To Hi, Bria. How are you? Good. How are you feeling? Are you in good form? Yeah. Tell me, I've said how old you are, but tell me where do you go to school, Bria? What's the name of your school? Uh, St. Mary's National School in Garstown. And do you like it? Yeah. And who's your teacher? Uh, Miss Graham. Is she nice? Yeah. Did she give you homework for the weekend? Uh, no. Oh, that's good, isn't it? I want to chat to you about your book. Tell me the name of your book and what it's about. Uh, Lost and Found, and it's about three children and their parents and the parents don't want them to go into beach caves because beach they do caves anyway. are dangerous aren't they yeah but they do anyway yeah and Ooh. they uh, find a chest Ooh. and what's in it uh, or do you uh, want to tell us or will that ruin the story no go on tell us what's in the chest yeah that they a find. teddy bear an old book and an old wooden car so this is an adventure story, is it, Bria? Yeah. Who did you write the book for? Um, Crumlin Hospital. So all the money is going to go to Crumlin Hospital? Uh, no, my Crumlin Hospital, I dedicated the book to Crumlin Hospital, my grandpa, uh, my granddad, my nanas. Oh, isn't that lovely? Did it take you long to write it, Bria? Yeah. Ages? Yeah. Weeks? Even months. <laughs> Even months, did it? Now, yeah. I'm looking at a photograph of you here sitting behind a table signing copies of your book. My goodness, weren't you the lucky girl? And you've sold out of that book and you're signing it in Easton's, no less. Was That must have been very exciting. It was. Was it brilliant? And you've sold out? Yeah. You have to get some more printed, don't you, Bria? Yeah. My God, was it exciting or was it was it a hard thing to sit down and write a book? How did you do it? Did you go up to your room and close the door or what way did you do it? Well, we, my mum and dad helped me and we came up with like characters and then a plot. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote the book, but then we didn't like that book. So we changed the book completely. Really? Yeah. You didn't like it, so you went back and started again? Yep. Well, my God, that's some amount of work, isn't it? And are there more books being printed, and can we buy them? Uh, well, 
Alva from Make-A-Wish is trying to get the them to print more because uh, some of the teachers in my school want one and some, some a lot of other people as well. Bria, do you know what? I think you're absolutely fantastic. You're a little superstar. Would you be able to put me back onto your daddy for a second? Okay. Good girl. Congratulations, Bria. Well done. Thank you. Hello. Hi, Tom. How are you? Good, thanks. Oh, my God. She's a great little talker as well as a great <laughs> little writer, isn't yeah, she? Yeah. So, Make-A-Wish Foundation, they made the dream come true. They do wonderful work for sick children. Yeah, and they, they made do. Bria's dream come true. So, the proceeds of the book, the book, I can't believe it. The book is only five euro. Yes. Yeah. So, I think, obviously, with Gale Publishing, they've donated the, the you know, the, the publishing of it and printing of it. So, um, Make-A-Wish wanted to make it affordable that they could... Um, encourage people to buy it and they were only doing the 200 release but as Bria said we're trying to get them to, to do some more to yeah. try and get them to friends and family and yeah. uh, the Fingal libraries and things like that. So. And the proceeds then will go back to is it Crumlin Hospital and the Make-A-Wish Foundation? Yes, yep. That's fantastic. Do you know what Tommy you should be so proud of that little girl she's amazing. Yeah we're very proud. Thanks a million for joining us this afternoon best wishes continued good much. health for the future thanks, thanks. Tommy thanks take care bye bye. LMFM Podcasts brought to you with Cart McCross Credit Union, where dreaming of warmer climates becomes a reality with a Carrickmacross Credit Union holiday loan. O'Neill Street, Carrickmacross or carrickmacrosscu.ie.